Now, I'll invite anyone who does have a, a scripture reading this morning to come forward, and, and we will read from Exodus, from Psalms, from 2 Corinthians 3, and from Luke 9. Um, you'll see a common thread and theme through these, this theme of light, of God's light shining, and, and us reflecting and bearing that light in the world. Uh, the reading is from chapter 34 uh, of Exodus, verses 29 through 35. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them. So Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him, and he spoke to them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near him, and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord. Good morning. I have Psalm 99. The Lord reigns. Let the nations tremble. He sits enthroned between the cherubim. Let the earth shake. Great is the Lord in Zion. He is exalted over all the nations. Let them praise your great and awesome name. He is holy. The king is mighty. He loves justice. You have established equity. In Jacob, you have done what is just and right. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool. He is holy. Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel was among those who called on his name. They called on the Lord and he answered them. He spoke to them from the pillar of cloud. They kept his statutes and the decrees he gave them. O Lord our God, you answered them. You were to Israel a forgiving God, though you punished their misdeeds. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy mountain, for the Lord our God is holy. I'm going to go slightly out of order. I'll read the gospel now. Luke 9, 28 to 36. <clears throat> now about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered, and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two who stood with him. 
And as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. As he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. And also from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning with verse 12. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened, for to this day when they read the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray together. Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks that you are the light of the world. And so we pray and ask that you would come and shine brightly in our hearts in these moments as we open your scriptures and as we seek to learn from them. Send your spirit upon us that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts might be pleasing unto you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, and the one who takes us from glory into glory. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So there's a common thread through all of these readings. I, I think you've probably seen it. We've gone, I, I did them slightly out of order, so we just go chronologically through the Bible. We began with the Old Testament, the story of Moses, who uh, goes up on top of Mount Sinai to receive the law. You heard Chuck speak about the tablets of stone, right? And so he's got the tablets of stone. Moses comes down. He's encountered God atop the mountain. He's received the gift of the law. He's, he bears the testimony that he's now called to pass on to the people. And he goes down with these tablets and his face is shining. And the people struggle a little bit to hear the word because they're looking at his face. Encountering God atop the mountain... Um, which uh, he does in the light of God's glory, he now bears the reflection of that light with other people. So this continues. It wasn't a one-time thing. Now when he goes into the tent, did you catch that part? So first he goes up the mountain, meets with God, shines with his glory. Now he's going into the tent of meeting, which preceded the, it's like, you know, the tabernacle that moved with them, because it too is like an ascent up the mountain. It's like gathering in worship. He goes in and meets with the Lord and his face shines when he comes out. But he starts placing a veil over his face after he shares the words of God with the people. And this continues to be the rhythm. 
He goes in and meets with God. His face shines. He passes the word, but then he hides it with a veil. And Paul, in our Corinthians reading, tells us actually the meaning of that. We'll get to it in a minute. And so this is Moses. This encounter with the Lord which results in his face shining. Can you see a little bit of the connectivity between there and the Gospel reading where Jesus goes up on the mountain, Mount Tabor, presumably, and takes with him Peter and John and James, and they go up to pray, and as the disciples fall asleep, they're really good at this during prayer. Maybe they're keeping vigil like we were the other night, and I was about to fall asleep. So they keep falling into a deep sleep, but Jesus continues in prayer, and when they wake up, they see His glory. And there with Him is Moses and Elijah, but Jesus' face is shining, and not His face only, but His body, His clothing. He is transfigured before them. He begins to... Um, emit or, or, or shine with the uncreated light of God. And they see him for a moment as he truly is. Um, I always mention this at this time of year, but if you go into our study, you will see a painting of this scene, right? Jesus on top of the mountain. Jesus transfigured with Moses and Elijah before him. Peter, James, and John gathered with him. Uh, Jesus shines. But also in that painting by Raphael, there is the rest of the chapter. There's the boy who, after he comes back down the mountain, who's been possessed by a demon, and the disciples, the others, can't cast it out. But Jesus does. He says, this one can only come out by prayer and fasting. And so Jesus, in this painting, in the study, and the face of this boy, are the two brightest parts of the painting. Now, since we just read Moses... Since we just read about Jesus shining in the faith. Now, now you should understand a little more of the painting. Jesus is the one who shines and the face of this boy reflecting that light, which is his own healing. Right, so there's, I don't know, look at the images in the church. They're there for a reason. They, they tell us a story. Um, so we have this encounter with Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. And then we move on to 2 Corinthians where we have Paul speaking to us of... Harkening back to Moses' encounter. And he says, we don't wear veils anymore because Moses was the bringer of the law and the law was going to be temporary because Christ would come and fulfill it and now we share in His life by the Spirit so that we don't have to wear a veil. But in confidence, we can live out the light of Christ in the world presently without hiding it, pointing to the One who shines upon us. And so this is his story. He says that we are being transformed into the same image, the image of Jesus. We're being transformed into that same image together. Um, and this is from the Lord who is the Spirit. So you see the common thread. The light of God and the glory of God together, both revealed and received and reflected and shared by people, by those made in God's image being um, uh, transformed into his image. So last week we talked about suffering, glory, and blessing. You remember that? So we suffer, but our suffering uh, leads to glory and that to our blessing. You see that in the life of Christ, who suffers on the cross, who's, who's uh, glorified in the heavens, and who sends the blessing of the Spirit to us. And our, our lives reflect that pattern. Um, today we've got glory again and light again. And I want to show you just at the beginning, how that theme runs throughout the whole Bible. It's, it's there from the very beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, 
And God said, let there be light. The very first thing that God makes. It's there at the beginning. This theme, this light that reveals God's presence, this light that points to God's creativity and work, this theme of light runs throughout. We can jump ahead. Let's jump all the way to Abraham. Okay, who's such a significant, this is the, you know, a huge turning point in the Old Testament story, the unfolding of God's salvation. In the Old Testament, God promises Abraham that when he goes from the land of his fathers to the land that he's prepared, he will make of him a great nation. His descendants will be as numerous as the sands by the sea. They'll be like the stars of heaven. And then God seals this promise in a covenant. And so Abraham and the Lord come together. Abraham prepares the sacrificial offering and divides it. This is how they would do, sort of like you're divided on two sides. They'd, they'd lay out the sacrifice on either side. And then the two parties in the covenant would walk through together. And it was a passage from death into a new life, a new relationship, sealed in blood, right? But just at the point where God and Abraham would walk through together, God causes Abraham to fall into a deep sleep like the disciples. And God walks through on His own, saying, this promise, this covenant, is up to me, ultimately, and not to you. He's promising by Himself that He will fulfill this promise. And what is the image of God passing through the pieces? Genesis 15, a flame, a lamp, a burning light, passes through as a sign of God's presence and promise. Creation, let there be light. The promise to Abraham, sealed in covenant promise as God encounters him in light passing through. Go to Moses. This other, the Exodus passage, these enormous themes that shape the whole entirety of Scripture. So Moses, shepherd, keeping watch over flocks, maybe by night, he sees a bush, what? Burning. You know, we, they didn't have light bulbs in those days. That wasn't what light was. To us, we turn the, uh, flip the switch and there's light. But a flame, a fire was required to produce light. And so he sees this bush that burns with light, with flame, with fire, but doesn't, it's not consumed. And then God speaks to him out of that bush, sends him to Egypt. He leads the people out as they begin to wander in the wilderness, as they begin to move toward freedom in this promised land. He promised to Abraham the Shekinah glory of God is what leads them, which is described as a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, which leads them with light, which shows them the path. So we got creation, we got Abraham, we got Moses, we got Jesus, of course, in our passage today, transfigured before them, revealing to them the light of God in the world, in Himself. Um, then we go to. Uh, the Apostle Paul, right? Um, and, uh, well, before we do that, think, think about the places where Jesus tells us, um, where he's introduced by John. He says, I'm the light of the world. Uh, the beginning of John says that he is the light that shines in the darkness. The darkness shall not overcome him. Jesus says to us on the Mount of Beatitudes, you are salt and light. Now, now it's shifting from Jesus to us, to you. This light which has been revealed and shared as a glimmer is now revealed in its fullness in Jesus and he's beginning to share that light with us. You are to be the light. Paul says that we are to be uh, lights in the world that shine in the darkness, uh, in the darkness of, a, of a broken generation. We are called to be the light that shines. Um, 
Do we hide that light, as Jesus says, under a bushel? The kids answered that question this morning. No, don't hide it under a bushel. We'll let that light shine. Um, and we move all the way to the end of the story. The very end of Scripture leaves us with this image, this promise, sealed by God on the cross, in His own blood, in covenant promise, that one day, what will happen? In the new heavens, in the new earth, there will be no more need for a sun or a moon because Christ Himself will be our light. In Him there is no darkness. Scriptures tell us to bring um, uh, our sin into the light because when the light shines upon it, it is not darkness anymore. That's why we confess to each other and in company with one another. Right? So this, this word that God speaks at the beginning of creation, let there be light, is answered at the end of the Scripture with this promise that Christ shall be our light in the kingdom. And that His light will fill all things and touch all things and cover all things and make all things beautiful. No darkness there. So we see a little bit of this light reflected in the face of Moses. We see it in His fullness in Jesus. We're called now to receive and to be lights in the world until that time where the fullness of light comes and shines. That's the thread. You can see it in our Scripture readings this morning on Transfiguration Sunday. But what I want to focus on, now that we've sort of got that background uh, behind us and sort of informing us, what I want, to f- want us to focus on is this passage from 2 Corinthians. Which says, We all, with unveiled faces, beholding, seeing the glory of the Lord, Jesus, are being transformed into the same image as the one we see. Are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to the next. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to the next. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So I'm going to give you some examples What I I want you to hear first is that you are going to become like Christ. That's what it says. That you will become, uh, one way of describing that would be, uh, filled with the light of Christ. Not on your own, not separate from Him, but in Him and through Him and by the Spirit, you are going to become like Jesus in all of His goodness, truth, and beauty, in all the light that He bears. That is reflected in Moses' face, but that is what you are going to become. Uh, The scriptures describe the angels who are closest to the throne of God as his ministers as flames of fire. So that's that's our trajectory. That's where we're going. That's the promise made to us. That as we look to Jesus, as we behold him, We're becoming like Him, and we're being made in His image, transformed from one degree of glory to the next, from one degree to the next, from one step to the next. And so as I give you some examples of folks that we've read about this morning, how they move from one degree to the next, I want you to be thinking, what is my next step? If we're being transformed from one degree of glory to the next, maybe we're not all in exactly the same place in our life with Christ. And that's okay. We are where we are. But the promise is, wherever we are, you're not done yet. 
You're not there yet. Um, maybe I just have scales over my eyes and I can't see well enough, but I don't see anyone, at least to this point this morning, who is burning with the light of Jesus, at least as it's described in our scripture reading. And yet that's where we're going. That's what we become. And so I want you to look at the folks that we've mentioned already and how they too move from one step to the next. This is a word of hope and promise, actually, that wherever we are, God has a next degree of glory for us to receive, to enter into, and then one beyond that, and one beyond that. So look at Moses with me for a minute. Do you think that when Moses, you know, smelling of sheep, looked over and saw the bush that burned in the distance, that he knew in that instant all that was coming to him in his life? Do you think he was ready in that instant to appear before Pharaoh and say, let my people go? Even after God talks to him with the burning bush, he's like, I can't do this. I need somebody to speak for me. I'm not ready. From one degree of glory to the next, he wasn't ready in the beginning, but he had heard the call. God had called him to this particular task, to this particular life. He heard the call. He didn't think he was ready. But lo and behold, a bit of time passes and he shows up in Pharaoh's courts, doesn't he? But he wasn't done yet. He leads the people out. Do you think when he first caught a glimpse of the bush that he was ready to stand with arms raised before the sea and see the water part and lead a nation through it? Probably not. From one degree of glory to the next because when he came to that place, the Lord provided for him. He called him to something and he transformed his life along the way. Such that as the people came to him and grumbled and complained, did you just lead us out here that we would starve, that we would die of thirst? Moses has faith. He, he trusts in God. And so he goes to God and asks and God gives him direction and he provides food and water and everything they need. From one degree of glory to the next. You can see it in the life of Moses, how he is transformed, how he grows how his capacity to receive from God, but also to share from God, is expanded. You can see it in his face. So there's Moses. What about Jesus? You know, there's a, there's a, there are lots of dangers in the way that we conceptualize Jesus or think of him in our minds. And mine tends to err on the side of so looking to his divinity... He is God, that I forget that He's also fully human. The Scriptures don't let us forget that. We're in Luke 9. If you look back earlier in Luke, Luke says that Jesus grew in wisdom as a, as a young man and in stature and in favor with God and man. That Jesus grew. There's a little children's song about that. I used to sing with my mom in the car on the way to school. Should tell you something about my youth, right? Um, so we, we would sing this song that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and men. Jesus grew and developed in his life. Last week we said that Jesus learned obedience by the things that he suffered. You know, when Jesus was 12 and in the temple, he astounded the teachers at his knowledge of the Torah, of God's word. 
But it's interesting that he wasn't called to ascend the cross when he was 12, was he? In between that time, he went out into the desert for 40 days. Hence, the 40 days of Lent, which we begin on Wednesday. We too enter this pattern of, of fasting, of prayer, the kind that perhaps even casts out demons, purifies our lives. We too join Jesus in those 40 days of preparatory work as Easter approaches, as the cross draws near. Jesus learned obedience. He grew, right? Um, it's interesting. When Jesus cast the demon out of the boy, he says, well, this kind can only be cast out by prayer and fasting. He didn't say this kind can only be cast out if you're the eternal son of God. He had to pray, pray and fast, didn't he? We see that over and over in his life. And that's, he, he learned, he grew, his, he developed in his life. Such that when the call was to go to the cross, he sweat blood and didn't want to do it, but he went in faith. His capacity to answer the call and to live into it had grown. Look at Paul. Paul wrote so much of the New Testament. Paul writes the words we read in church on Sunday mornings. But when Paul had that encounter, uh, he was persecuting Christians, wasn't he? Um, in fact, he was on the road to Damascus, and as he was on his way to Damascus to persecute some Christians, what happened? He was struck blind with the what of the Lord? With the light of God. The, there's that theme again. All the way through, he sees the light, of, the light of Christ is revealed to him. He says, why are you persecuting me? It's too much for him. He can't bear it. He goes blind from it. And then God leads him to this Christian who prays for him and he's healed. And Paul goes away for three years to learn, to study, to grow, to develop, to, to answer this call that he's been given and to see it enlarged in his life. To enter into it more fully from one degree of glory to the next, from one stage to the next, from one step to the next. Do you think he would have been shipwrecked and beaten however many times and all those things that he lists out in those Corinthian letters when he first met Jesus or on his road to Damascus? Of course he wouldn't have done that. But step by step from one degree to the next, he grew. It's there in the stories of Scripture. It's there in your life. I'm, I'm wondering, what's the next step for you? Don't think that you have to immediately jump to the end. I'm just saying, what's the next step? The next little step. Right? Maybe like Moses. Like, well, I can't do that. I need a helper. Look around. Right? That's, that's what we have. That's what God's provided. We are one another's helpers. Maybe we need an Aaron to help us along the way. Um, Maybe you're like Christ going off into the wilderness and the Spirit is leading you in this time of Lent to say, I need to pray and I need to fast. And I need to do that in a different way than I usually do. I need to, I need to give something up because I love my comfort. But I know that some degree of suffering is needed that I might grow in glory. I need to give some things up so that I can receive some more from God. What's that thing for you? What does Lent look like for you? What does your desert uh, ha contain uh, this season. Maybe it's taking something on, like Paul, 
Maybe you need to go and study the Word more. And so instead of giving something up, you need to take something on and go a little deeper. Maybe you need to get up and pray three times a day, morning, midday, and in the evening, a sentence. But you just need to do that relentlessly and without fail every single day to pray, Lord, have mercy on me. That's, maybe that's all it needs to be. What's the next step, the next little step for you? Um, you know, this, this passage from one degree of glory to the next is true for the people of Scripture. It's also true for us. Uh, it's true for a fellow named Anthony. Uh, St. Anthony was like the, in some way like the first monastic, the first monk who went out into the wilderness. And I know we've been giving attention to the reading of Scripture. We've been reading longer passages and more of them in, in worship. And um, you never know what's going to happen when we do that because Anthony was in church one Sunday, and I believe it was the passage where the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and says, I do all these things, I keep the law, but, but you know, what more do I need to do? And he says, it's all that you have, give to the poor and come follow me. And he goes away sad. Um, Anthony hears this passage in church on a Sunday morning. And it changes his whole life. He said he knew that there were others there when that scripture was read. But he said, it came straight to me. And so what does he do? Does he immediately become St. Anthony? Does he immediately become the one which every other monk who's ever lived looks back on and draws inspiration from and is guided by in different ways? Nope. Uh, he sold a few possessions. He gave it away. And he sold the rest of them. Gave it away. And then he moved to the edge of town with a friend, not by himself. And he did that for a while. And then he said... I really think God's calling me to go live in the tombs. So he and this friend go and they live in the tombs and pray. He's confronted with all manner of difficult things. And then he says, you know, I, I think I'm being called to do this on my own. So he lived by himself in the tombs. And then he moved from there on his own out to an abandoned fort out in the wilderness by himself. And he lived there and he prayed there and he worked there. And these are years that are passing. And then finally he, he heard this call to go even, even further. And so he went out into barren places, into desert places. And it was from one stage to the next, wasn't it? From one degree of glory to the next. And I've got a little passage here I read this week. Uh, it starts on monks, but it's, it's really about family. It says your family is like your monastery. And it connected with the Moses reading and with this theme. So I, I wanted to bring it to you. Um, Eventually, after you move through these stages, these steps from glory to glory, there's the reward that comes at the end. And it says, there is the reward of this harsh life on the edge, which is the vision of God's presence. I pray thee, Moses dared to say to God, show me thy glory. And God did. When Moses was alone on the desert mountaintop of Sinai, God came to him and Moses had to cover his eyes since to see the face of God would be to die. But he raised his head as God passed and saw the majesty of the divine. And when he came down from the mountain, the people stood back in fear. Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking to God. And Anthony too. 
after his years alone in the desert, had the mark of one who had come close to God. And here's a quote out of a biography of his life. It was not his physical dimensions that distinguished him from the rest, but the stability of character and the purity of the soul. His soul being free of confusion, he held his outer senses also undisturbed, so that from the soul's joy, his face was cheerful as well. And from the movements of the body, it was possible to sense and perceive the stable condition of the soul. As, was, as with Moses, here was a person through whom God could be seen. As with Moses, here was a person through whom God could be seen. So I spoke a moment ago about not seeing anybody burning with the light of God's presence. Um, but I can look at each of you and see people who are marked by God's presence. And I can see the, the character that is developing in you, um, the growth and purity of soul. Uh, and so I think, actually, I'm in a room full of the light of God. And for that, I'm thankful. But wherever you are along that path, um, there's another step for you. There's another stage. There's another experience of glory that you have yet received and known. Two quick stories to illustrate that. Um, I spoke once before of uh, this uh, guy who's in my study group. Uh, his name's Father Joseph Hazar. He's a, 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 an Orthodox priest and dean of a cathedral in Char not Charleston, somewhere in West Virginia. And uh, when he was in seminary, he's a little younger than I am, but when he was in seminary, the seminary was connected with a monastery. And so every day, the, those studying to be priests and all the monks would come together in chapel and they would worship together. You remember this? And one day the abbot was reading, as we were reading, just a scripture in worship, and he began to shine. There were 30 or 40 people there, and he began to shine, brighter and brighter, until it was just light up there. And Father Joseph is very grounded. He's not crazy. And he alone didn't see this. But for a moment, this man, this humble man, began to shine, not with his own light, it was the light of God. These things happen. In fact, Paul says that you are being transformed until you bear his image fully, his likeness, that you, you are actually going to become that. So I don't want you to set your sights too low. You know, there was another uh, example I shared this morning because Dave Calvert, 11 years ago, his heart stopped. His, Elijah was about four years old at the time. Elijah comes in. Um, he sees uh, his dad there, but someone else is there. And afterwards, uh, they were, Dave was trying to tell Elijah, we still don't know how I'm doing. We don't, you know, he was trying to prepare him that he might still yet die. And Elijah said, oh, no, I knew you were going to be okay because God told me God was there. And he said, what are you talking about? And he said, well, God was there. And he said that you were going to be okay. And Elijah had seen this figure present with them. And Dave said, well, what did God look like? And he said, I don't know. His face was too bright. 
And Elijah's sitting in the, in the coat closet, you know, adjusting our slides and so on. These things happen. These things are true and real. And I want us to become like that. I want to become like that. Not, not for our sake, but for God's. Um, so I don't know what the next step is for you, but let's take it together. Anybody game for that? Are you in? Let's take the next step from one degree of glory to the next. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.